Andres Segovia Show. Welcome to Andres Segovia Show, everyone. I am your host, Andres Segovia. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of the program. I'm going to be talking about forbearance in this one. And I brought someone on to help me make sense of that because I know I've been getting a lot of questions and the media has not been helpful in addressing this issue. First, though, uh, if you're not part of my mailing list, then you probably missed out on a petition I was circulating over the weekend that's for property owners because there's been a lot of mechanisms put in place to help tenants during this time, but the property owners have been left holding the bill. So this is for the property owners in a way to petition the state to also provide some kind of relief to them during this crisis because we are all in this together. So you're able to find that petition on the show notes accompanying this episode at www.deandressegover.com. So by all means, find it if you're not part of my mailing list. And after you get it, also circulate it to your friends. It's snail mail, not email. So you got to print it, sign it, and mail it uh, at the post office. So by all means, try to get as many of your people that you know to sign this and send it out. So on the subject of talking to you property owners, that's why I wanted to talk about forbearance. So I brought on my friend Matt Katie from Summit Lending to try to make some sense of this because uh, even though forbearance has been around for some time, it's a terminology that's being thrown around like everybody knows about it, but no one really knows what it is and how it affects you or benefits you during this time of crisis. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt regarding forbearance. The main concern that uh, has been arising in all this has been what effects are we ultimately going to see uh, in in housing when we have one third of the rents that haven't been paid or haven't been collected in April? And I'm sure there's a mix of people that are affected by COVID-19 and individuals that are going on what is called a rent strike or cancel rent uh, direction. I can't blame them entirely when I've been hearing news about also uh, mortgage holders trying to do something similar to not pay the mortgage and what is called forbearance. Now, up until the the lockdown, I got to tell you, I never even heard of a forbearance. Um, so for those that probably never even heard of this either, can you, can you explain a bit what forbearance actually is and what it, uh, well, what it's defined as and what it actually means if someone tries to go for it? Well, traditionally speaking, when we were talking about forbearance, it's kind of funny how and all these things happen something that had been around all of a sudden becomes uh, common terminology, right? But forbearance was traditional, like, hey, you fell behind two, three months on your mortgage payment. And instead of allowing, instead of going through the process of foreclosure and the lender defaulting, you being proactive and you calling your servicer and saying, hey, um, was laid off of work or, you know, this happened. I have the capacity to get back on track. I can't pay you the two months today, but can you come up with an agreement to get me back on track and to have my loan back to a regular performing loan, essentially, without going into default. So what that would traditionally look like is um, in forbearance agreements can be different, right? Traditionally, if you were behind two months, the lender might give you a proposal that says, hey, you're going to be caught up in four months. So you're going to begin to make your regular mortgage payment plus we're going to divide up whatever those two months you missed into regular monthly payments. So you're essentially paying extra for a certain duration of time during that forbearance agreement. And then once you're you're caught up, 
then it, it, everything goes back to the way that it was. That was traditionally what a forbearance was. Um, what's happened in this case, and, you know, I was watching a interview. It was actually a panel with some of the brightest mortgage people in the industry. It was really eye opening. Uh, David Stevens is one of the guys that um, he was involved during the Obama administration during the mortgage meltdown. And I, I don't mean to get for anything to be political or to, to make anybody sound better or worse than somebody else. Mm -hmm. But essentially what happened during the mortgage meltdown was uh, the administration had virtually every large servicer. They, they flew out to Washington, D.C. They all sat in the big room of the Treasury Department. And for two days, they talked through how they were going to handle what was happening and unfolding and how and, you know, how they were looking to to fix it. And it was like two days of meetings of what's every possible outcome. I mean, you can't see everything coming. Right. But if yeah. you get some of you know the biggest companies in the business all together in one room trying to sort through problems, they're going to come up with some pretty good ideas. They're going to troubleshoot a lot of things up front. What happened in this case, though, is the government announced that they were going to be offering a forbearance on mortgages. Mortgage companies, you know, couldn't foreclose as a result of the, you know, the closure of our of mostly for our economy or most businesses due to COVID-19. But there wasn't necessarily a laid out plan. So, the yeah. announcement, you know, it, it was fire ready aim type of thing. And I'm not a, obviously that causes a lot of issues. It causes still, um, I, I think, a lot of room for confusion as far as how things are going to play out. And I don't I'm not trying to fault them because, you know, back in 2008, 2009, the entire uh, recession and the global recession was due to mortgages. So it was essentially I mean, if you're a fire department, if if one fire is so large, it's catching other things on fire, you contain that one first. Yeah. And in this case, COVID-19 is the fire. And we're one of those other, you know, the the casualties as a result of it. So I, I can understand that you might not play out every scenario the same way that you did before, but it still leaves us where we are today. Um, policies change. I mean, initially, and not to go off on a tangent about this, but, you know, if then one of the next questions on the forbearance was, is that, okay, so the borrower doesn't have to make the payments. And by the way, to have a forbearance, one of the big things that they missed is you don't have to prove a hardship. So you don't have to document that you lost your job. You just have to basically attest that you're going through a financial hardship. And then the media, for the most part, has taken a relatively casual approach to forbearance. And people aren't necessarily educated that it's not free money, that you're going to have to repay the amount of mortgage payments that you're skipping. It could be, and it depends on what that forbearance agreement looks like, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be immediately. It could be over a certain duration of time. It could be added onto the loan. But essentially, I mean, there's no free lunch here. Um, yeah. And so one of the next things that happened was, especially on FHA loans, is that during a forbearance, the servicer still has to pay the investor. So you have a servicing mortgage servicing company that had to pay the amount of money to the investor for the payment, but they weren't collecting payment from the borrower. That was one of the big net, uh, oh, that was one of the big concerns that got patched. So there are things that are happening. There are things that are getting patched. There is still uncertainty of the future. And the biggest thing that I would say to somebody is that if I mean, if you've lost your job, if you don't have the means to make your payment, you need to use forbearance. I mean, save your house. 
But if it sounds like, you know, it'd be really convenient for me not to pay my mortgage the next couple months, I would do everything I can to avoid a forbearance. We don't know. You know, they said that you can't have a mortgage late on your credit report as a result of going through a forbearance. But what we don't know is in 12 months from now, 24 months from now, how are the mortgage companies going to look at this? So you didn't have a mortgage late, but could we verify whether you had a forbearance or not? Does If you did a forbearance, does that affect your credit worthiness moving forward, right? Like if you were on a credit risk panel, and would you say that people that have had a forbearance are more likely to go into default or to skip a payment in the future? Now, I'm not, you know, we don't know if this is going to happen. This is this is a concern that's happening within the industry. So if me as a homeowner, I'm, I would do everything I could to protect myself from a forbearance on a mortgage. But uh-huh. if it was something that I need to exercise because I could not make my payment, I absolutely would. This forbearance, as you mentioned, has been around for some time. It's just something that's never actually been utilized to this scale. So what then does it mean um, going forward? How would it affect the indus- impact the industry? Uh, will this be on record or will there be like an asterisk on it like to say like the astros you guys cheated so does does that does that championship count um like put an asterisk <laughs> next to it <laughs> well, know, i don't think like... <laughs> nobody in the mortgage business is going to boo you because you had a forbearance but yeah it, 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 an asterisk. yeah but there'll be questions see like you had a forbearance in 2020 now was that due to covid or was that due to something else it's I think if that hasn't already been explained by the by the time we've been having this conversation, I hope it is clarified from here on out. Because um, if it's reported to the credit agencies and it's because something that's completely out of people's power, this is where the government is really flexing their muscles and saying, "Stay home." It's like that that doesn't happen in in a free environment. So um, I listened to Ben Shapiro. So Ben Shapiro had had an excellent uh, point because I I've been actually having discussions in the background where it's like guys. The so-called stimulus bill is not a bailout. It's basically the government, after they crashed their vehicle into your home, paying you for destroying your home. Businesses have been shuttered. Their livelihoods destroyed. Those that are affected that can't collect, how can they pay the responsibilities if by the order of the government they cannot make those obligations? So uh, I think that is the the big question. I hope that the it's not reported to the credit agencies as an understood you that COVID-19 is just something that's, that's like, it's called an act of God for a reason. That's like, what is this thing? You know? So if it was, uh, if it was something like, a, like, you know, just, it, this is in 2008, this was not some kind of financial meltdown that, that some people saw coming and like, Oh, there it is. No, this is something completely different. This was not a bubble. Anyone saw like, Oh, look, housing bubble burst. Cause one of the next concerns then, like you, you mentioned about, um, like, these forbearing collections is that as this article came through from Yahoo on April 7th. Uh, um, I thought, you know, it's going to be interesting for me to bring it up. This was, uh, I think it was on, uh, yes, Yahoo. So uh, loan servicers uh, say they saw a spike of 1,896% um, of requests to uh, delay mortgage payments to lenders. Like lenders were reporting yeah, that they I mean, saw that, that spike. That's up from virtually zero, right? I mean, that's, I mean, hardly anybody was before. So, yeah, this gets announced. And I, I had heard of a lot of servicers. I mean, it was like a six-hour hold time. So if you need a forbearance, I would say, that first of all, go on to your mortgage servicer's website first. They probably have something. Try and enroll online prior to calling them. 
but I, I know I cannot say this enough. If you don't need a forbearance, don't just use this as a convenient way to not make a payment for a couple months and figure you'll get, you'll get caught up later. But if, if you need one, save your house, save your credit, do the forbearance. Uh, Absolutely. And that's the same advice that I, I, I give to, to, to renters as well, those that are listening, because I serve it for my, my show. I'm, I'm talking to anyone and everyone that's uh, that's involved, whether they're a tenant or a homeowner that wants to look to to increase their, their estate or whatever. It, it's, it's all the same because we're all literally in this together. And I was making an analogy, which I don't think it's all far off in, a, in, a, in my last episode, um, where I titled it Save the um uh, save the economy, save the world, because housing is the only thing that can help us weather this storm. Um, there was an interesting article that will actually be coming up because I'm going to bump that episode. I'm res- I'm rebuttaling a Forbes article that's it. I see. I predicted housing bubble 2.0 is going to burst. This is not a bubble. But anyway, I don't want to get all worked up about that one. I already vented in that episode, but I'm going to bump it to make space for this one because forbearance is more important. It's more, it's more timely where it's there. Just how many jobs are created for the building of one single family home? It's basically securing a job for three people in one year. Just as how many how many industries need to get involved just to deal with one single family home being built, and that's money that's just circulating. That, that's with with when you grow this um, this kind of economy. So that's just one house. Imagine more housing that we desperately need. Can we have a shortage? And that's even a new home build. I mean, think about when you buy a house, how much mail you get flooded with from people. That goes to show you, even if you buy a house, what it means to the economy. Yeah. I mean, the mail when you buy a house, it is insane for 30, 45 <laughs> yes. days. Everybody in the world, every furniture company, Lowe's, Home Depot, everybody is sending you stuff because people make improvements. People need furniture. And not to mention all the vendors even in the escrow. So, yeah, I agree. Housing is incredibly important to our economy. And the concern is now that what happens if we had an example of a third not paying the rent just in April alone, what happens in May when this thing is still getting worse and we haven't reopened our economy? And let's say, let's go to the extreme. No one pays the rent. Then now we're talking about uh, uh, pe- people that can't pay their mortgages that instead of, well, let's say let, let's say a third of mortgages aren't paid in, in May. How scary would that look for the mortgage industry? Well, I think that's the biggest concern on housing is how many people don't pay rent and how many people go on forbearance. It's uh, isn't this kind of like saying, like, depending on how if I go to the bar on Friday night, how I feel Saturday morning depends on how many drinks I had at the bar. Right. (laughs) That's kind of how the housing economy is. Like when it comes to people in this forbearance situation, the more people go on forbearance, the. The deeper the hole we're digging. Right. And, And the more. What what it'll, it'll impact is also credit standards moving forward. You're, you'll mm. see, you know, we're seeing it right now with a lot of different investors are requiring higher credit scores on FHA or lower debt ratios. But when we're coming out of this thing, if there is more inventory, if you are a seller, you want to have as many qualified buyers as possible. And if credit re- requirements become stricter than they need to be based upon too many people taking forbearance, that means you have less potential buyers for your house. And that also mm-hmm. means that unfortunately for some of the people that have been waiting for an opportunity to buy a house, I mean, we're only a couple months removed from hardly any inventory, right? Uh, yeah. If you were to buy a house, you were up against 10 plus other offers and you didn't have that many homes to choose from in the first place. So if we can exactly. come back to this and see enough from a buyer standpoint, 
have incredibly low rates as a result of the Fed buying mortgages and driving the interest rates down for you. And if there's a little bit more inventory and a little bit less competitiveness, that's a place that a buyer hasn't been in years. Yeah, um, that's, it's, that's what's interesting to see. Um, and I think that that's why the opportunists have come out. Those that have the means and ability to buy are coming out to buy. Um, I've actually seen an FHA uh, um, offer come around. It's like, well, that's one I haven't seen. I didn't expect to see that one right now, but there it is. Um, and during this during this crisis, especially when we talk about FHA, because FHA, I think a lot of my buyers uh, tend to go that route, mostly because um, it's the the lowest requirements, um, not the strictest in terms of like preparedness like oh i don't have the best credit score i don't have that much money in the in, in the tank to be able to put into a house that's why they turn to fha is are those times being affected by all this right now or or are, are fha for the most part still as of now still basically running as it normally has well i mean keep in mind fha is just an insurance company for these mortgages yeah. so fha is behaving the way that it traditionally would outside of now requiring that a buyer, and this is probably temporary, who knows if it'll stay more long term, but they're requiring that you have two months worth of mortgage payments in the bank at, after closing, after right? Closing. So we're going to check in reserves. That, that's been FHA's announcement. They provided guidance on how appraisals can be handled in terms of inspections. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, it's varying lender to lender. There are some companies are requiring a 680 credit score for an FHA loan where they might have required a 640 or a 620 before. Mm-hmm. So FHA is um, FHA usually provides uniformity in terms of underwriting and qualifying. They still do that. But some people, some mortgage companies are assessing risk in this environment. Yeah, what, of course. The, one of the worst things that can happen is that you, you buy a house and then you go into forbearance immediately. And that stuff, I mean, I I was talking to a coworker of mine and he got a call from somebody, you know, a buyer, and they wanted to use down payment assistance, uh, not put any money down, buy a house and then immediately go into forbearance. I was their grandmaster Uh, plan. Wow. So I'm not saying that that is by no means is that the majority of people that are looking for an FHA loan. But that type of thinking or that even unintentionally that occurring is the is what worries lenders yeah because that's something that's uh uh, this was highlighted by by an eviction attorney uh this week um i didn't weigh in on the tweets just because i tried to avoid twitter altogether but i did see the tweet i did respond to his follow-up today the tweet that he sent out was something to the effect of one of his clients had just leased out a property at the beginning of uh, of april the check bounced and he can't do anything about it so it's like, okay, so that means they haven't paid any rent and he can't do anything about it because here in Los Angeles and in the state of California, uh, thanks to the um, the California Judicial Council uh, stopping all forms of eviction, that they can't do anything about it. So he vented about it on Twitter. He says, this is insane. Imagine more people do this, try to take advantage of the uh, economic situation and exploit it. Well, the response to that tweet compared to every other tweet he's ever sent was enormous because there were about 400 people weighing in and more than half of them were laughing about it and, and hoping that other people do this more like what and I, I, I speak out about it or exploit it 
not to exploit it. it's like do do more do more of this like not not to the not to the attorney but to other tenants that go take advantage of this loophole to screw over like, uh, landlords just burn it down just burn it down is their is their attitude huh exactly so uh he vented about that uh um, that they were recording this and uh i i just I, that's the one i weighed in i told him hey twitter's a toxic place i mean it's not exactly the norm in reality but it's still alarming because that's what you're going to find in social media, which is unfortunate. And with more people going to social media, some people might think that, well, is this really the world? Social media never represented the world. But that is the only way people are connecting. Like social distancing turned people back to Facebook. They left, oh, I don't like Facebook. I left it. Now they're back in Facebook. And now they're being reminded why they left Facebook in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know, um, some people live behind an avatar. That's all it is. Or they just like seeing a domino effect of people losing their minds over over a thing. Here, I made a controversial commentary. Let's see. Let's see how much mileage I can get out of this. Uh, yeah. It's sad. People behave pretty poorly online a lot of the time. But that's why I'm calling for um, for you know just for people to keep calm, a, a balance of what's going on out there. Uh, it's, it's reading a headline isn't news. News is beyond the headline. Uh, you know, just read the context because there's no context. It's not news. So with this whole forbearance thing, because uh, um, I, I do have I do have some friends that are investors and um, they've been trying to um, educate people on this, but they've only scratched the surface. And um, the panel you mentioned um, for for those uh, listening um, at the the show notes, the company's episode at www.theinteresting.com. I'm going to embed that one hour panel that you mentioned. Yeah, um, I, I tried to clip what I thought would be uh, most interesting and most appropriate for people. But that one hour long panel, there's a lot of different people that are really bright minds economically and in the mortgage business. And I I watched it three times, to be candid with you. It was it, mm. it's really good information. And I think you talked about the news, the news. I don't think that they always have they don't specialize in something well enough, like for the most part. Right. Um, yeah to really truly understand the mechanics of it. And during times like this, it's nice to have people that are experts in that field. And and I they certainly are. Yeah, and, and that's good because we need more of that. Because when I, I did uh, hit the link that as you mentioned, um, and I say that to, to watch later, but I'm like, so few people have seen this. We need more people to, to, to get the information. That's why it frustrates me that uh, we have a bunch of pundits talking. It's like, shut up, let the experts talk. And even then, I'm like, can we not have the activist experts talk? It's like we got to weed through them, too, you know. So yeah. it's like, oh, who do we listen to? And, and um, th- like you mentioned, that, that that was a great panel. Um, and uh, I, I know that for a lot of people, a lot of the stuff might go over go over their heads. But um, you highlighted some things that uh, that were very important. And it's something that was worth the conversation. Like you mentioned, for those that can pay their mortgage, don't go for a forbearance. And it's like those that can pay their rent continue to contribute because there are those of us that are still essential to the workforce that we have been unimpeded by this. In fact, we're working longer hours to to get things done. So we should continue doing our part because there are people depending on what we do, uh, both with our with our work and our finances. Because the economy is the bloodline of everyone, and with small business being the the, spot, the backbone of America, just just to see it all go to hell in a handbasket like that, oh man, um, well, yeah. like not a discussion about this, but uh, well, was this worth it in the end when all is said and done? 
it's, I don't think that's even uh, worth uh, a conversation, but I'm sure that there'll be a lot to learn from through all this. This is uncharted territory in American history, even world history. Uh, it's, I mean, to, to imagine the whole world being being brought to its knees by an unseen foe like this. That's that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. wild, you know, but we're all in it together. Let's, you know, so to speak, let's not burn it down. Let's all work through this. The, the more we work together to get through this, the faster we'll all get back on track. And I do think this is a time that we have to give, we have to be more empathetic and a little bit more lenient with others. Um, it's not, you know, if you're going to call a, a mortgage servicing company, you have to realize that they staff based upon a certain amount of people usually call and they're getting crushed. Um, you know, if your call volume increases, I think you said 1,000%. Over 1,000%. Over 1,000%. And you were just transitioned to work from the office to a work from home atmosphere, and you're juggling your kids working crazy hours. I understand the frustration of waiting on hold. I haven't called to deal with that frustration myself. But at the same time, like, I think we have to remember when we can is to be empathetic, like, to other people. This is, it's not difficult. Being cooped up in your house is not easy. In dealing with the inefficiencies uh, within our economy based upon volume of business, depending on the industry, and also just the antiquatedness of working from home in a different type of work schedule. So, Matt, uh, for our listening audience, where can they uh, where can they learn more about this if they have any questions regarding mortgages? Related to forbearance, log on to your servicing company's website. If you have any questions, if you're looking to buy, get pre-approved, if you're in renovation loans, uh, Facebook page would be Matt Katie Mortgage Team. My office number is 800-667-3041. For those listening, the, the notes will be included. Well, you'll find all of his contact information that he mentioned at the Sean Austin Company's episode at www.theundersegovia.com. Matt, thank you so much for joining us uh, to let us know about uh, giving us some more insight as to cutting through the murky cloud and haziness of all this confusion. Um, but like you said, uh, we're all in this together and we'll, we'll persevere. So we'll come out well, of this. I hope it helped. Thank you for having me. And that does it for this edition of The Andres Govia Show. Remember to like, share, and subscribe wherever you might be listening to the program so you can be in the know. If you want a question featured on the program, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram, same handle, at The Andres Segovia, on Twitter, at underscore Andres Segovia, and, of course, email at andres at segoviares.com. Thank you so much for listening to the program, and I'll see you on the next one.